Look at a shell. Come on, look at. Hey, welcome to the podcast, the podcast that asked the question, bro, if you could, you would, right? Okay, I don't know what kind of question that, but anyway, welcome to the podcast, I'm Junior Kekweva Junior. Hey, we gotta start with the attitude of gratitude. Okay, now this is a law of attraction comedy podcast, and this, uh, to my knowledge, this has never been done. Okay, we, there has never been a comedy law of attraction podcast so you guys in the law of, of attraction community here you go all right so we have a new country so now we have 27 countries and 33 states in the united states uh and our brand new country is egypt we want to welcome them on board and they're listening on uh on the iphone yep we got uh apple podcast is responsible for 66 percent of of our podcast spotify 17 percent buggers climbing and uh, then, then there's everybody else. Our demographics are basically uh, 23 to dead. And I think we have a 17-year-old somewhere. <laughs> we got one, 1% of a 17-year-old uh, somewhere. Anyway, but we want to say thank you to you guys. Thank you for joining the podcast. And as always, okay, when you guys listen to the podcast, okay, you guys are honor, 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 how you, how you do that? Honorary Hawaiians, honorary Hawaiians. They, they, I get, I get hard time with these ten dollar words. I'm telling you guys. So anyway, yeah. So when I say Hawaiians, I'm talking to you in Egypt. You guys in Egypt, okay? When you're listening to the podcast, you are an honorary Hawaiian. There you go. Now on today's podcast, I told you guys, um, we was gonna talk about this. In fact, I put them up on Facebook. I said coming up on the next podcast, right? Because we get some uncles listening and some aunties, right? And they, they was kind of curious because they, they was like, bro, what you get? <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying, right? But I just, you know, I tell law of attraction stories and everything is relative. Because whether you believe in the law of attraction or not, you're going to get them. Like, no matter what. And that means if you focus on negativity, negativity will grow in your life. If you focus on positivity or positive things, like let's say, you know, you want to be a... Uh, I don't know, you want to be a police officer, right? So you focus on that. You watch police shows, right? You know, when you're a kid, you you, you playing with the toy guns and you, you know all of that, right? And then when you get older, right, you get that idea like, hey, you know what? I think I went down the academy, try, try out, like go sign up, whatever, train, you know, see if I make them. And then all of a sudden you make them, right? Because you hear these guys and they go, oh, bro, all my life I wanted to be HPD, right? <laughs> you know? And and so so these guys, HPD, Honolulu Police Department for you guys out of state. Most of my people are out of state. And uh, speaking of states, we, we want to acknowledge three states. Uh, uh, Hawaii, of course, uh, is number three. 
Number two is Texas. Number one is California. So thank you to the states. Uh, we, we acknowledge the country. So uh, thank you to the states. And then everybody else. There's 33 of them. Uh, the last one was uh, Kentucky was our last state. And uh, we got to check. We got to check to see if, if there's more by now. But anyway, so but but that's what it is. The law of attraction. Now, if you're constantly focused on whatever it is you're focusing on, you know, you're going to get it like no matter what. Okay, but you got to give gratitude. Now, here's here's what what really happens is you attract who you are. Okay, and you don't have to like try hard. Okay, it, get that out of your head, Hoins. You don't have to break your brains. You know, it, you know. I see people they're they're writing affirmations on their mirrors and every yeah, that helps. It helps to bring it quicker. It helps to maintain your focus and your direction. Okay, but you don't need to do a lot to attract who you are. Okay, so, so I just just gonna say that. Now, when I was a kid, let's go back. So I'm gonna tell a story about how I had dinner and how this came about with Colonel Tom Parker, who was Elvis Presley's manager. Okay, now I know I know I know people thinking like, what, Junior? You you did what? No, no, for real, right? And I would tell you the story and a little bit of background. But I also will tell you, right, that I did not like Elvis, <laughs> okay? I mean, I, you know, Elvis was okay. Elvis was cool, right? But I wasn't a fan. I wasn't, like, you know, into Elvis's music. I was, you know, I liked the young Elvis. You know the young Elvis that did Hound Dog and Blue Suede Shoes and, you know, I liked that Elvis. But by the time I was in high school, see, that the, the, the Elvis would change a little bit. And he was doing like Love Me Tender and I, bro, I was irritated. I mean, really, I was it. When I was listening to you, I, I was like, oh man, this, this sucks, right? But that was my opinion. I like the young Elvis, the guy, you know, the guy singing the, the fast songs, right? But when he started doing Love Me Tender and what's that, what's that other one? The one that's popular now and all the kids doing them on YouTube, right? Wise men say, what, that one? Can't help falling in love with you. And, oh, bro, I was irritated. In high school, that's when it came out, when I was in high school, right? Now, many, you know, many years ago when the Flintstones had them cars and you start with your feet. Yeah, yeah, back in the, the Stone Age. So, so, but, but that was, you know, that was just me, Hawaiians, okay? I was into Jose Feliciano. I was into Frank Sinatra. I was into Don Ho. I was into solo performers that did the kind of music that I liked. And that kind of stuff, I was all about it, right? And that's, yeah, that's another podcast, all right? Okay, that's another podcast. But here's how this thing came to be. Now, Uncle Arnold, okay, I get this uncle, Uncle Arnold, he passed away, God rest his soul. He was a great man. He, he was a great guy. And he taught me a lot about common sense. He taught me a lot about, and he was a friend of the family kind of uncle. He wasn't like my real uncle, okay? But he was a fire captain. And he had to, you know, and I mentioned him on other podcasts because he taught me a lot of, he taught me some basic principles that I use every day in my life. And one of them, like I told you guys on other podcast, he's the guy that said the fire chief never had dinner in this house. He, he always told me that. Now, the first time, you know, I felt sorry for him, right? The first time, I think I was like maybe 11, 10 years old. And, and you know, the first time he said that, I go, oh, wow. Poor Uncle Arnold, the chief no like him. Like, like the chief no like have dinner at his house. You know what I mean? And then, and I thought, you know, but but then 
as the years went on and I heard him say it again and again in different references for different things, I got it, right? And the message I got was, I did not kiss ass with the chief to get ahead. <laughs> that, that's what he was saying, right? Because he, you know, he, he knew other fire captains, right? And these fire captains was gunning for like battalion chief and assistant chief. And, you know, they was trying to climb the ladder. Well, anyway, so that's what, that's what I learned from that. And that really helped me in life because I never had to kiss up to, you know, people, right? Because I believed in getting by on my own merits, which is what he taught me. You know, just do your thing. Just keep doing your thing. But be good at doing your thing and pretty soon you're going to get what you, you know, what you're seeking, you're going to get. You don't have to because when you knock on certain doors, right, and they put you in some place, right, you are now beholden to them and then it depends on them. You know what I mean? So so some places, yeah, I had to play the game, but, but I didn't have to kiss up or, you know, take these guys to dinner. I did them after I got in. After I got in, I gave the, you know, the appreciation, the the gratitude. You know, these guys I work with on the radio, I used to buy them breakfast all the time because I was grateful, you know. And that's another podcast because a couple of those guys used to turn on me after I fed them, right? And and the bottom line there is if you want to really see someone's character, what you do is you feed them. If they bite your hand, right? If they if they turn around, if they turn around and do some crap to you, like out of the blue, like these guys did to me, then then you you can see the character, right? You know, I, and I bought them breakfast after that too. I never care, right? I kept buying them breakfast. Like every time I went, I, I would, you know, not every single time, but yeah, every time I offered, you know, sometimes they got them, sometimes they bought me breakfast, sometimes I never bring money, you know, I, I carry cards, right? And then they they would. They would buy me breakfast. See, but we that's one thing that we did. But I showed gratitude like that. I wasn't buying them breakfast because I wanted to be the man. I was buying them breakfast because, you know, when you work in that kind of position in radio, it's like you're not making money. I had my I had two companies, you know, and I was grateful to be there. I was grateful to be a part of the gang. You know, I wasn't really part of the gang because they didn't see me like that. But I was grateful to be. I was happy. I was happy to be there. Right. Boom. There you go. You know, and anyway, but that's another podcast, always, okay? That that's another podcast. That biting the hand that feeds you will be another podcast. But this podcast and and what I learned from Uncle Arnold was it really really served me. But this podcast is about having dinner with Colonel Tom Parker. You can Google him. He was Elvis Presley's manager. Now I wasn't impressed with Elvis, and I didn't know what to think about Colonel Tom Parker because back in the day we didn't have YouTube, so I couldn't look him up. We didn't have internet. I couldn't, you know, okay, who is Tom Parker? You know, I just heard this name, right? Now, it turns out that the reason Uncle Arnold knew Colonel Tom Parker is he was stationed here in the Army back during World War II. Now, he was stationed here, and he didn't have any family. And and Uncle Arnold used to work down at the base. He used to work on base. And he met him, and he felt sorry for him because he never had family. And this is what we do in Hawaii, okay? So you guys, you know, outside of state, outside of Hawaii, and most of my listeners are outside. So, you know, you guys out there just know that we have something in Hawaii called aloha. Aloha is love. Aloha is care. Aloha is hospitality. Aloha is all of that. 
Now, a lot of the young kids now, they have conditions. They have placed conditions on their aloha. They are exhibiting aloha in a different fashion. And they are very, uh, I want to say anti-outsiders, a lot of them. Um, a lot of them have become militant. A lot of them have become resentful, right? But but that's because Hawaii is occupied, okay? That's, that's not a podcast, Hawaiians, okay? I'm not an authority or expert on any of that. That's not a podcast. But I will tell you that the aloha has changed. The attitude has changed. And the young people have a very different, uh, a very different idea than we did when we were growing up. So anyway, Uncle Arnold brought Colonel Tom Parker home to his house with his mom, you know, and, and hit their family, his mom and dad, and he had Thanksgiving dinner with them, you know. So all the holidays and stuff, right, because he got to know him, he used to bring them over the house. <clears throat> so the colonel used to come over, you know, they, you know, and they, and he was not a military colonel. That's just what they called him, Colonel Tom Parker. And so Colonel Tom Parker never forgot that. He never forgot Uncle Arnold. And they became friends. And the rest, as they say, is history. Now, you know, later on in the years, right, when Colonel Tom Parker, you know, goes about his career and his business, and pretty soon he, he discovers Elvis, right? And then, he, you know, the rest happens, right? Now, I got the full story from the horse's mouth. Because the only thing that Colonel Tom Parker talked about with me was Elvis and how he discovered Elvis and how Elvis, you know, this, and he was the man. He put Elvis where he was there. Bro, I had to listen to that like for, for like, I don't know, a couple hours, right? Everything. Well, you know, when I, when I found Elvis, he was a truck driver and it was, you know, all that, right? And then, and I, I, decided that we needed to do something with Elvis and El bro, he went on and on and I and I'm just sitting there, you know, and I had no questions. I really had no questions because I wasn't interested in Elvis Presley. So, you know, I wasn't like, oh, what's Elvis like? What's it you know, I never had questions like that. You know, I had questions about Don Ho, right? I had questions about Sam Kapoor. I had questions about Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, all that. I couldn't ask, I couldn't ask anybody on the national level, right? But I used to ask like, oh, you met Don Ho? And oh, bro, my family, we know Don Ho. And oh, what's he like? Oh, bro, he's, he's really chill, bro. He's laid back. He's like, he's like a brother. I'm like, really? You know, when you were a young kid, you ask these kinds of questions, right? I never had no questions for Tom Parker. I'm sorry, man. I never, you know, but I heard everything. I sat there. Mm -hmm. So this is how the thing went down. Okay, so this guy, now, if you guys get, you know, aunties, uncles, whatever, you guys, you guys get checked this out because it, it was the time that Elvis came to do the worldwide concert from the Neil Blaisdell Center. Now, Elvis did not perform outside the United States. Never did. Okay? Never, ever. And this was because Colonel, Colonel Tom Parker, okay, he got 50%. 50 Hawaiians, okay? Half. <laughs> he took half, right? It was like, a, you, you know, when you get divorced and a chick takes half, okay? Well, he, he took half no matter what. He took half, okay? So, so anyway, and he was on the contract, right? Elvis was on the contract. And so, and he told me, bro, he told me all of this right there. I, I got them from him. 
I got him directly from Colonel Colonel Parker, right? So he so he said he said um, that Elvis never performed outside the U.S. because he wouldn't he had to split the money with somebody. He had to pay you know percentage, right? And and they would pay percentage to whoever the the venue whatever. But inside the United States, he would he would make the fifty percent. So he he didn't want to you know and he and he actually made Elvis a little bit more exclusive like that. So people had to come to Vegas. People had to come see him in the United States. People had to see him in New York, Madison Square Garden. People had to see him in venues you know in the mainland. So anyway, and you know and and so I knew like for a long time like when I met Colonel Parker, I was about. I think I was about 12, almost 13 years old. I think I think I was yeah, I was 12. So so anyway, and I dating myself Hawaiians, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care Hawaiians. <clears throat> like like they say where I come from, I don't give a rip. <laughs> so anyway, but so so the the thing was that, you know, over the years, right? I saw all these Elvis albums at at Uncle Arnold's house and they were all, you know, um they were all the you know they used to line up albums by the stereo kind of thing. Everybody did that back in the day. If you guys don't know what an album is, you younger guys, okay, you you twenty three year olds, okay, there were vinyl discs that you put on this thing and it, yeah. So anyway, so I used to see the albums and I used to go, huh, Uncle Arnold, you like Elvis? <laughs> you know what I mean? And so you know, and I'm like, oh, how's you? You know that guy, that guy attitude, right? And so, so my uncle Arnold he used to tell me like, "What's wrong with Elvis?" And I said, "Wow, wow, this, this is irritating." Okay, now my auntie Annie, God rest her soul, she's not with us anymore. My auntie Annie was was one of the best cooks I ever I ever met, besides my grandmother. And she she taught me how to cut vegetables, everything. She got me in on the act. I was, you know, helping her out in the kitchen all the time and. And, and she taught me how to cook and she taught me how, you know, okay, you don't cut the celery like that, you cut them at an angle like this, you do them like, and my Auntie Annie taught me all kinds of stuff, so I'm like, oh, cool. So I, I loved Auntie Annie. And, and she, you know, she was very, um, I want to say, um, a very careful type person. <laughs> okay, so when they found out that Elvis was coming to the blaze, though, I guess Colonel Parker would call Uncle Arnold. And he said, I'm going to come over to the house and, you know, visit you guys and, and whatever. And uh, so so he came, right? Well, he was planning the trip. Now, when he was planning the trip, I just happened to be on this island when they was going to do the concert. I just happened to be here. I, in fact, I went home before the concert happened, but they came early. They came, you know, because you got to set up everything for Elvis and, and you know, whatever. Elvis wasn't even here yet, okay? but the colonel came. <clears throat> to set up everything, make the arrangements, talk to Tom Moffat. They, you know, Tom Moffat, uh, for you guys in the mainland, God rest his soul, he's not with us anymore. Tom Moffat was uh, a concert promoter in Hawaii that did like all the major stuff. He did Michael Jackson, he did Janet Jackson, he did, you name it, he did it. His career is, uh, is awesome. He had, a, he had an awesome run. Anyway, so Colonel Parker, you know, makes the arrangements and everything now meanwhile right auntie annie is like well i don't know if we should let uh you know junior you know he doesn't like elvis he might say something because i was the kind of kid right i don't care and i'm still that way 
I don't give a rip, as they say, where I come from, right? So, and they, they, they said that when I was young. That was, that was a thing, you know. Bruh, I don't give a rip. Okay, and you just go. You just do, right? You just say. And she knew that I was like that. And what she, this is what she didn't want. I'm like, she didn't want me to sit down to dinner with Colonel Parker, right? And go, you know what? I, I don't even like Elvis. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Because, brah, I would just go. I would just, I would tell him. I mean, that was me. I was honest. You know how kids can be brutally honest? Okay, I was brutal. <laughs> I was brutal, right? So, so anyway, that's what she didn't want. So, so when, when Colonel Parker, like, I, I don't know, it was a couple days. I was hearing this for a couple days, you know. So, oh, Junior, uh, you know, uh, Colonel Parker's coming over and, and whatever you do, do not say anything bad about Elvis. Do you hear me? And I'm like, yes, Auntie Annie, right? <laughs> Don't say anything bad. Yes, Auntie Annie. I, I get him. I get no worries. I, you know, I, yeah, I got it. And so, so pretty soon, the day before he comes, they're rushing around. They're going shopping. They're buying all the food and, you know, they're getting ready, right? And um, they have this nice place, and they had this beautiful house, um, and in a beautiful neighborhood, a very quiet neighborhood, and it's in in Kaneohe, okay, Nahiku Street in Kaneohe, and and so it was a cool neighborhood. I used to, you know, I used to go walking like that. Like people was friendly, people would wave. I mean, just really nice place. And so anyway, <laughs> so. They, they prepping, they cooking, they, you know, everything, and I'm helping, and, you know, and it took, like, two days to prepare this, this dinner, right, and the shopping and all that, and finally everything's ready, and, and so, Auntie Annie decides, um, you know, and I'll go, I'll go put this kid in the room, so, so she takes me in the room, and she gives me one TV tray, now, I don't know if you guys know what on TV tray is, okay, but back in the day, there was TV trays. Now, if you had on TV in your room, okay, or whatever, you watching TV, these were, it was a small little table kind of tray thing on a stand. And you would unfold the stand, right? I haven't seen a TV tray, <laughs> like, I haven't seen it since I was a kid. I never see them, okay? But but you could you put them right in front, like, like if you're sitting on a chair, okay? Or like, say you're sitting on a lazy boy recliner. Okay, so you put them right in front, right? And then the TV's right there. And then you just, you know, sit, put your plate, your, your fork, your drink, whatever. And then you watch TV. And they call them a TV tray. And they had the other kind of TV tray that you put on your bed. You know, with the, the short legs, right? Whatever. And then you, you open them up and you put it. And then you, you can, you know, lie down in bed and, and have everything right there on a the tray. So, so TV trays, <laughs> TV trays were a thing back then. I don't know. I think it was like when, uh, when novelty kind of stuff. I, I don't know if they, everybody had them, but you know, they had them and we had them. We had them at home. So, so she takes this TV tray thing, right? And she sets it up in the room and she goes, you know, um, I don't, re I don't think that, that you should have dinner with the Colonel because you know, because <laughs> you you might say so. Because I had Tourette's, I had Tourette's, though. Because I, I never care. Can I never have filter? And I, I still no more filter. Well, I get one small filter now. I try to, you know, because because professionalism, right? In business, I gotta do business with a lot of people, and and sometimes I gotta tell you the filter comes off, right? Because I I gotta say what it is. 
You know what I mean? And sometimes I communicate my ideas directly. People get offended and, you know, so we have lost accounts because I have called people on their crap. I mean, you know, but I believe like, hey, you know what? If somebody's, okay, so this is a side note for you guys for business. If somebody is giving you a line of crap, okay, you don't want to do business with that guy. You don't want to you know, save that bridge so that you can come back across that bridge and deal, you know, with a bullshitter. No, you don't want to do that. Hawaiians. Okay, trust me. It is better to burn that bridge down to the ground. I mean, to ashes, right? Where that that bridge will never be built again, right? Than to travel over that bridge a second time for bullcrap. Okay, so that's what you know. So sometimes when I when I'm in a business situation, and I know that this guy is giving me a line of crap, or he's trying to, you know, do this, that, and the other thing, or something shady, or what, I will just say what I think, and I will burn the bridge. I will stand up and walk out of the office because, like I said, I don't give a rip. <laughs> so she puts at the end, he puts me in the bedroom on a TV tray. So I sit on the TV tray and I'm watching TV. She goes, I will bring you your dinner shortly. Okay, now she comes in with like poo-poo's kind of stuff. Like, you know, little stuff to pick on, rich crackers, all that kind, you know, cheese and all kind of stuff. Like, and, and she would bring this, you know, uh, so I would have snacks watching TV. Now, the colonel isn't even there yet. And she's putting, you know, snacks, all this kind of stuff. Okay, now pretty soon, right, the doorbell rings. Ding dong. Right, something like that, right? <laughs> so, anyway, the doorbell ring, and this guy Kalani. Now there was this guy Kalani, and and you old timers, if you guys are in Hawaii, and you guys are listening to this, and you guys are on the island of Oahu, chances are you know about Kalani. So this guy, I don't like mentioning last names, Hawaiians, but this guy Kalani had a limousine service out of the Ilikai Hotel. And this guy, Kalani, used to drive the, the most famous people that, that you could imagine, okay, in the 60s and 70s and 80s in, in, in Honolulu. So this guy's, you know, he had a, this limousine, beautiful limousine, bro. This limousine was a Cadillac, was on stretch, and, and, you know, so, so he used to pick up, like, the most famous people, and he picked up Elvis after that. But now he had the colonel and he knocked on the door, either rang, or rang the doorbell. And, they, and so they opened the door and there's Kalani and there's Colonel Parker and his wife. So Colonel Parker's wife was really cool, you know, and, and she was so cool that she didn't, she, she didn't hardly talk. But whenever she talked, she always referenced her husband. Like she was, I don't know, she was, she was very much into her husband. She was very much into, uh, you know, supporting whatever he did, right? And this guy, wow, you could tell that this guy could be, he could be an A.O. You could tell already. You just, you just know. You just, the, the way he talk, and, you know. And he was talking about himself, not necessarily Elvis. He, he, the whole two hours was about how he took Elvis from nothing and made Elvis world famous, okay? That was the whole, that was like the topic of the, the discussion, right? Okay, when, when it happened. So I get in the lines. But, but that, you know, and, and then Colonel Parker's wife, I forgot her first name, but his wife was a nice lady, nice old lady, and she would just sit there and she would always preface things like, 
well, you know, the colonel, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, like that. Like, always talking about her husband, supporting her husband. And I thought that was cool, because I thought she was a really nice lady. Okay, now the colonel, <laughs> he, was, he was different. Okay, not, you know, nothing really bad about him, but you could tell that this guy was so proud of, you know, making Elvis, right? Like, he made, and he did. He really did. Okay, but that's all he talked about. And I, you know, I like, I, I mean, it would have been interesting if he told me, well, I'm from, you know, yada yada. And growing up, we, we did this and that. And, but, you know, and this is how it is where I come from. And, you know, no. <laughs> you think he would, like, give me some background? Like, okay, but we like know who you, you know? Uh, no. <laughs> he went on about Elvis and how he was the guy that, you know, all of that. So, anyway. I'm in the so I'm in the room and I hear this right, and so they come in and they sit down and you know, and Auntie Annie after a little while, Auntie Annie starts feeling guilty, okay, and and I know she felt guilty because I I know the look on her face when when she kind of feels like she's uncomfortable with a situation, and she was uncomfortable with the fact that Colonel Tom Parker, right? This guy, this guy was known, I mean, just as much as Elvis because he was very visual, uh, visible. He was very visible. Every every time he saw Elvis, like in his entourage or whatever, you would see the Colonel, right? So he was, he was a very, uh, I wanna say a visible kind of manager. He wasn't like behind the scenes where you didn't know who he was. Like everybody knew who this guy was. I mean, and he would, you know, and his trump card, okay? was Elvis. <laughs> so, I mean, he, you know, so Elvis was his thing and he just, bro, that, that just, uh, that just took off. That was, that was a worldwide thing. And this Elvis still rivals like a lot of performers as far as popularity and how much people love this guy. I mean, they love this guy. Uh, you cannot, he, I mean, I saw at a funeral. I was, I was alive when, when he died. I remember. Uh, you know, people, people ask, uh, people, you know, people always say like, where were you when such and such happened? Right. You know, like, where were you when JFK was shot? Uh, okay. Well, I was, I was too young. I don't remember. I was, I was baby. Right. But then I remember where I was. I was in the front yard. I was in the front yard when I heard somebody, somebody in the house say, Oh, Elvis Presley just died. Right. And then, and we went inside, right? And then, and then, uh, we, we was talking story, like, what? What, what happened? And, and they was telling, you know, we never have internet, we couldn't find out. And then what happened was we watched the news. And then they had the stories. And then was on the nightly news, bro, it was all over the place. And then when they had the funeral, the procession of Cadillacs, white Cadillacs. Like you wouldn't believe always. This funeral was like, and these Cadillacs was like, was, was like a mile long. I mean, it was the biggest funeral. I mean, you know, the only funeral I think was bigger than that that I saw was like Princess Di. You see what I'm saying? It was that kind of magnitude. That's how big Elvis was. He was huge. You know, now, now, you know, he's been gone so long. You know, the people, people, they forget how big this guy was and how important this guy was to people and how much people love this guy. Okay. And, and, you know, I did, like I said, I liked his young stuff, but boy, when he got a little too, the kind, I don't know, the, the slow ballads, to me it was irritating. I don't know. So anyway, 
Auntie Annie starts feeling guilty, right? And so she comes in the room, and I'm watching TV, you know. I don't know what, you know, whatever. I was I was in tune with whatever was on, and I was having my snacks and whatever. And she comes in, and she goes, Junior, okay, look. Now, this is a once-in-a-lifetime thing. Okay, so she knew that this, this was only going to happen one time for me, right? And she goes, I really want you to come out and meet the colonel. I really want you to have dinner with us. I really want you to come out. But you have to promise Auntie. <laughs> My Auntie Annie, right? She was like, you have to promise Auntie, okay? You're not going to say how you really feel about Elvis. <laughs> like, they thought they thought I was going to razz Elvis in front of the colonel. They thought I was going to tell Bro, you know your boy, Elvis. But <laughs> you know what I'm saying, always, right? Because I was just like that when I was a kid. I was like, <laughs> so she she goes, you have to promise, you promise, Auntie. I'm like, yes, Auntie, I promise, right? And I was, you know, like I said, I was like 12, 13. Yes, Auntie, I promise, right? And so so she she we had one packed. <laughs> we went for him on pack. I mean, we might as well have had one blood initiation deal or whatever. She was so like, she really wanted to take me out. It was once in a lifetime thing, right? But then, yeah, so I had to swear, like, you know, see, you, you, you promise, Auntie? And then she asked me, like, two, three times, right? I said, yes, Auntie, guarantee, no worries, no worries, I'm good, I'm good, guarantee. So she just, okay, come on. So we went out, right? And she set up, uh, and it was all on TV trays. We we had dinner on TV trays sitting on the couch. It was a long, beautiful couch, white couch, and and we had TV trays in front of the colonel, TV trays. You know, we had, I mean, it was just a casual thing. And this guy, this guy wasn't the kind of guy that had to have everything fancy or what. I mean, the TV trays was really nice, I got to say. Right? And then the china, they used the fine china and, you know, all that. You know, the old school. They did all of that. You know, they they had silver, silverware, right? You know, all of that. But But we just sat on the couch like that. It wasn't like a dinner table kind of dinner. It was, you know, it was just kind of talk story kind of stuff. And so they had us set up like this. Auntie Annie had us had us set up like that. And I sat down next to the colonel and, and his wife on the other side. And we started talking story. And, you know, like I said, the whole thing was about how he made Elvis, right? And I'm sitting there and I'm I'm like, you know, I hardly talk because, you know, and, and I asked, I, I guess I asked a couple of questions. But the questions were like real basic kind of questions, you know, like, like, uh, where are you guys performing next? Or, you know, what are you guys, what are you guys doing from the Blaze? Oh, we're doing this worldwide from, from the Neo Blaisdell Arena. And this will go around the world, see? And the reason why they did that, right, is because he wouldn't let Elvis out of the country to perform. And he had him on the contract. He, Elvis could not perform in Japan. He could not perform. So if you wanted to see Elvis live in the old days, you had to come to America. It was unreal, right? It was unreal. And so so I had dinner, heard the stories about how he was the man, right? You know, and 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 all this stuff. And and his wife and the whole the whole nine. And and then when it was over, Kalani came with his limo. Pull, pull up and say, and this was in Nahiku Street in Kaneoi, behind Safeway, right? Behind the Kaneoi, you know Kaneoi Safeway, behind there. Okay, for you people in Hawaii, I know you guys, there's some people from Facebook, they listen to this. 
And Kalani came and picked him up in a limo. And he got in the limo. And it, they drove away. He was all waving from the door, you know. Bye, Colonel. Hey, take care, Colonel. You know. And I went back in the room. And I was watching TV going, you know, that, that guy, bro. <laughs> that, that, that Colonel Tom Parker, bro. <laughs> like... He screwed up, man. He only talked about how he made Elvis. What about Elvis? What about, you know, what about, what about how good Elvis is? What, what about, you know, whatever? Like, what's he like? What they, no, nothing. You know, what about Graceland? What, what does his mansion look like? You know, he's like, nope, nothing. It was all about the Colonel. And, and that's how <laughs> that evening went down. And that's how I met Colonel Tom Parker. Now, what does this have to do with the law of attraction? I know you guys, right? You're like, hey, Junior, come on, bro. I thought you said this law of attraction podcast. Yes, it is. It's a law of attraction comedy podcast. And I tell stories about my life. See, because when I was young, right, I did shows. I did a show at my high school. I used to do hula shows and stuff, like, for my auntie them, you know, they, they used to, you know, have me go do them. Uh, I did hula shows for this guy. Uh, I cannot, you know, not like mention names, right? But this guy hired me and then my classmate used to dance hula and we did a couple shows like that. You know, we did, I used to, I used to perform on the river boats. Uh, in fact, that's another podcast, but I got to tell you guys, uh, when I performed on the river boat, when I, when I was five, oh, bro, my mom used to take me and, um, but that's another podcast, Hawkins, that's another podcast. But what this has to do is in my mind. From the time I was about, I want to say, at least 10 years old, I started flirting with the idea in my head of being an entertainer. And it started in front of the TV mimicking cartoons. You know, one day I found out I could talk like cartoons, right? Because Saturday morning, bro, Saturday morning, me and my friends, like, I, I never even have friends that never watched a cartoon. Like, all my friends was in front that, you know, Eating cereal, right? We was all eating bowl cereal and our beverages and stuff and watching cartoons. And sometimes, you know, my friends would come over or they would sleep over. Very rarely they sleep over because my mother was, I don't know, she used to run the joint like a museum. You couldn't sit on the couch. Even my friends, they was all pissed off. Like, man, we don't like go to your house, boo. We don't like go to your house. Your house, your house too the kind for us, bro. We like, we like lie down on the sofa. We like jump around. Your mother, your mother's too much. So, so. <laughs> You know, and but but we never have. We my mom did not go as far as to put plastic on our furniture. Okay, some people did that back in the old days. They put plastic, you know, because they never let them get dirty. Right now, my mom wasn't like that, but she wouldn't let anybody lie down on on the couches. <laughs> so you had to sit, and you had to sit properly. You know what I mean? So um, so yeah. So but but I used to sit in front of cartoons every Saturday morning. And I used to watch these darn things and watch it. And pretty soon, I don't even remember how it happened. It just happened, you know. Like I was watching the cartoons and, and, and all of a sudden, you know, and I would hear Bugs Bunny say something. And then I was like, what's up, doc? You know, I would, I would do that, right? And then, and then Sylvester the cat, right? You know, I would go, fuck a trash. <laughs> you know, and, and my mom was like, she was beside herself. I used to do this comedy routine, right? I used to, you know, go through all this, this whole thing. I'm not going to do them now. That, that's another podcast. But, but I started doing these voices, 
I still do them. I still do all the voices. I do over a hundred different voice types. So when I say voice types, I mean I do some celebrities, right? And and all these guys dead already. I do dead celebrities. There you go. I do dead celeb. There's been some modern celebrities that I tried and I did and. Eh, I just not into it anymore. You know, like when I was young, I was like, yeah, go be an entertainer. I got to learn all this stuff. By the time I got to do the Waikiki show, I think that was the last part of people's memories of the guys that I learned. That's how late I got on the scene, right? And and the world already started to change, right? Because you already had new celebrities and I never like keep up. I mean, I could, you know, I could sit down and, and learn them. Because a mimic is... So there's a difference between an impressionist and a mimic. Now, a mimic is somebody who gets the voice right on. You know, an impressionist is somebody who gives you an overview of the character. So there's a difference. So so the guy guy that I used to fill in for on the radio was an impressionist. And he did some of the voices like he was a mimic. So he said, I would say that... He would nail some of them straight on, 100%, 150%. One of them was President Obama, which I, I never did, right? But he could do President Obama, like like 150%. He was, he was awesome. And then, you know, but the thing about him and me that was different was that he had guts. And he could just go out. And like, I had to rehearse stuff. You know, I told you guys on not a podcast. He would just, he had balls of steel, is the way I looked at it, right? And I admired him for that. I thought, I thought, wow, he just, he he would just go on a tangent and he would go all the way out to left field and the bit sometimes wouldn't work. Most of the time it worked. Sometimes he would be way out in left field, right? On this idea with this character and it would go no place and then they would laugh about that. They would laugh because it was funny that he would screw up and then they would laugh about that. And he could just do that. Now, I got to tell you, I got to I got to rehearse. I got to go home. I got to study. I got to, you know, I got to practice, practice, practice. This guy, he just throw him down. Boom. I mean, you know, and to go out on a limb like that, right, with with no material, inventing it as you go along, because I, I do some of that. But but he did them like every morning. Like he was the regular guy. Our second string. And this guy, he would just go. And he would take it out in left field. And sometimes he would end up in a train wreck. And they would just laugh about it. And I think the audience thought that that was funny. And and they saw it. They saw it for what it really was. And what it really was, was this guy had guts. And, and you know, so like I say, he, he was mostly an impressionist. I was a mimic. And because I'm a mimic, I had to get him just right. Or I wouldn't do it on the radio. You know, I had to get, I couldn't do an overview. And there's so many times that the lead guy, right, on the radio would look at me and he would, he would, you know, he would lead me into the bit. But sometimes he would lead me into a character that I didn't practice or that I didn't know. And I wouldn't chance him and I would flag him off and I I would be like, no, I would, I would shake my head. And he would get, bro, he was pissed. He would look, he would give me the look. He would give me this look like, like, bro, no can. Like, he's like, ah, no can. And he would look at me like that. And I didn't care. I just like, no, no, because I'm not going to go out and make an ass out of myself. Though That's the way I thought. Okay. But I was thinking, I was thinking too uh, careful, 
right? I, I think I was overthinking at that point. What I should have done is I should have gone for the ride and made everybody laugh that way. But I made people laugh uh, in a different way, in a prepared sense, you know. And and um, so, yeah, that it was just me. It wasn't right or wrong or better or worse. It was just me, just the way I did things. Uh, but I was a mimic, and that's how it started. And that's when I started going, you know what? I like being an entertainer. And then I started learning songs and songs and songs. But the kind of songs I was learning, right? Like stuff on the radio was like was like uh, Pink Floyd. Was like, it was like all these rock groups. And, you know, and, and we had, um, you know, we had Jimmy Buffett and all, I don't know, all these guys. And, and I wasn't really interested in that. I was interested in Sinatra and Dean Martin and Tony Bennett and, Mel Torme and, and doing jazz and, and, you know, that kind of stuff. And big band and then Don Ho locally, you know. Because my father was the one, um, um, my stepfather, he was the one that instilled in me the a, a prince a principle. Uh, like Uncle Arnold instilled the principle like, hey, do them on your own. Never mind kissing up to people and entertaining people or whatever. Or, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, because the fire chief never had dinner in his house. Right. And that I learned from him, from my stepfather. I learned something very important. And he told me, he said, you know what, whatever you whatever you do, no matter what you do, be the best. And he used to tell me that he was drinking, you know, <laughs> he, would be, he would be drinking. He goes, bro, you like me on gangster. Go, go be the best. Right. Well, that didn't pan out too good. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't the best gangster. I, I was I was a fair to moderate gangster, you know, but not a good gangster. Right? So I'm like, OK, well, that, that, let's see. They, Uncle Larry already has that spot. So I'm not, I'm not, I cannot I cannot do that. That That's not in my line because they are, the, the positions are all filled. The lieutenants, everybody, they was all they was out there. So, OK, there's no spot open for me in that line of work. So, but, but I went into entertainment thinking like, okay, I got to be the best for me that I can be, right? And the way my brain works, I have a very fast working brain and my brain will just like go into overdrive sometimes and I'll come up with these ideas and, and normally I learn the, the opening bits. I learn them in the shower before I go work and I got to have one bit and I'm in the shower and come on, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And, and then boom, this thing hits me. And then I develop the joke, right? So by the time I get to the, the radio station, you know, I go to Starbucks at four o'clock. I'm still rehearsing in the car, the opening bit. So the first, you know, and what do we used to say in the radio station was, you know, hit it out of the park. Oh, bro, you hit that out of the park. And we knew when it when it hit out of the park, I knew because the lead guy would laugh like for real kind. Like he wouldn't laugh just to laugh. If I could make him crack up and I, I have several of those on tape and stuff, right, where he just cracked up. Uh, that's when I knew if he was cracking up, everybody else listening was cracking up. So my job was to make him crack up because in radio, you cannot, you know, it's not like being on stage different, way different. And I was more comfortable being on the radio than I was actually on stage when I was on stage. You know, in in a radio studio, in a you know what? Oh, bro, I'm at home because I do theater of the mind. So I paint pictures with the words that I choose and I choose specific words to paint that picture. Right. You know, so so if I said, for example, if I say it slam on the brakes. Right. OK. Now I say pump the brakes. You get a different picture. Right. OK. What if I said, bro, I went hammer the brakes, 
right? So what would that what would what would that be, Hawaiian? See what I'm saying? So so different, right? Different. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So 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 you know, and and you know those things that that you uh, you know those things that 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 you go to and you you know okay I like I like get them down I like I like do this I I gotta come up with this thing you know and all those things that that you put into practice that you um, you know that you that you, you work them and you work them and you develop them and you develop them and then boom it works and, and sometimes it doesn't work sometimes the best ideas that I think are the best ideas right. By the time I get to work and do them on, on the opener, the thing goes in the toilet, right? <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, okay, okay, okay. You know, but, but yeah, it, so it's, it's a gamble and you're gambling every time you do it. But the difference, I think for me is that, yeah, you should be prepared, uh, to take that chance. So you, you should be, you know, take an educated guess kind of thing. But my father was like, bro, whatever you do, be the best. So I worked at it and I worked hard at it. Some guys was gifted. Some guys, they don't need work at them. They did, you know, Duke Kahanamoku is like that. Duke Kahanamoku, I don't know. You guys Google Duke Kahanamoku. He's Hawaii's famous Olympic champion. Yeah, and, and the story is about Duke. Like he was taking a nap underneath the bleachers until it was his time to swim. <clears throat> then he would go out and get the gold medal. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So like some people just natural at that noise, just natural. But anyway, but that's the, you know, that's, that was my journey from 10 years old. And I started out like that. And because that was the ideas in my head, the law of attraction worked. And, and the rest, as they say, is history. And so the entertainment thing always came up. I met all my heroes. You know, I attracted that. I, I mean, I met, I met so many famous people. I met Bob from Sesame Street. That's not a podcast, Hawaiian. So I, I, I met, I met all these guys, like all these big time entertainers. I remember the time I met Mokiale. You know, I gotta, I gotta tell you guys about that. That's, that's not a podcast, Hawaiian. Okay, now I know you guys, you know, you guys overseas and and in the in the United States, the continental U.S., you guys go like, okay, what's a Mokiale? No, he's a very famous Hawaiian. Uh, entertainer and he was on Hawaii Five O. He he played a character on Hawaii Five O, one of the lead characters, and uh, he had a tremendous career. And I got to know him, and uh, I, that's like I said, that's another podcast. But I met so many of my heroes, my childhood heroes, you know, and I had so many of these experiences because I was focused on entertainment. Because I was focused on, I like be like those guys. I like do that. That's what I like do, you know. And I gotta say, I faced some of the harshest discrimination that, that anyone could face. And I did them anyway. I did them anyway because God cleared the path. Now, God didn't do it the way I wanted. And I gotta tell you, Owens, if, if, if I did it the way I wanted, you know, if I got discovered the way I wanted, if these guys produced me the way I wanted, I would probably end up in rehab and, and, or dead by now. Um, and, and, you know, like a lot of these other guys that wasn't as fortunate, you know, but God was on my side. I was always close to God, you know, and then when I met my, uh, my, my, you know, brother Wayne, um, my best friend and, and we started playing music together and, and the rest is history as they say, but you know, can he kept me straight? And that's another podcast. That's very, bro, we get so many podcasts coming on for you guys. It's not even funny, but anyway, Hawaii. so the bottom line, yeah. I had dinner with Colonel Parker when I was like 12 and, and yeah, 
he he went on and on about his <laughs> about his bad self and um I never heard too much about Elvis but but yeah and then you know what happened like it was years after Elvis died maybe I don't know how many years but it was it was more than 5 years after Elvis died when I when I was out in the world and um you know I started hearing his music and I started appreciating more of his stuff when when he was older uh, the young stuff that he did, like when he first started, oh, I loved that stuff. It was like, it was up and lively and stuff. And I really didn't appreciate uh, the ballads and stuff till much later in life. And then when I found out, you know, I started listening to more of his music and stuff. And and then I started appreciating Elvis Presley. But, you know, don't get me wrong. It's not that I hated Elvis or, you know, whatever. I just, ah, it just, it just didn't fit for me. It wasn't a fit for me. But um, I was into a whole different kind of genre, kind of different thing. And the beautiful thing about nowadays with the kids is that they listen to everything. You know, I ask these kids, what kind of music you listen to? Because back in the day, I, I knew guys that just listened to hard rock. I knew guys that just listened to country music, right? And, and you know, people were kind of cut and dried like that in the old days. And, and yeah, there was guys that listened to everything. But now... The kids are just downloading. Oh, if it sounds good, okay, download them. And they're just, they're just you know, developing the playlist like that. And I think it's a beautiful thing. I've been teaching uh, voice for 31 years. And, and my kids listen to everything. And they, they, they just pick songs out of the blue. And they, you know, uh, and they enjoy all kinds of stuff. And if I had to do it all over again, and I'm talking about my music uh, taste and my music selections and stuff if i had to do it all over again um yeah i would want to do it on itunes and i would want to download like everything <laughs> i would want to i would want to download everything because i mean you know it, it's the way to go the kids are so lucky the kids are so lucky today they 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 don't realize uh what they have in the way of technology and they're born into this world they have information that they can educate themselves far beyond a college. They can do all kinds of stuff. The world is getting better, Hawaiians. Much, much better. Because I tell you, back in the day, Hawaiians. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. I gotta go, Hawaiians. I gotta go. But yeah, that's the law of attraction. You will attract who you are. Hey, I want to thank our sponsors, Island Club and Spa. Brother Randy, Sister Jerry. Got a mahalo, mahalo, mahalo there. And voice master family of uh, service companies. Got a mahalo them. And we got a mahalo AFM Hawaii Music featuring the music of brother Darren Chinen. Ah, that was our last project. And uh, we're coming up with more this year. So stay tuned. Ready on the podcast. That's not a podcast, Hawaii. Till next time, I'm Judy Kekoeva Julia. I say me. Well, I don't need it. Bro, I forgot who I was. There you go. Genie can't go ever genius. Say mahalo and aloha.